information. Be sure to check everything out. I went over everything quickly. But we do have a Bible study this morning, Matthew chapter 26, as we're going to continue in our journey through Matthew. We're going to begin reading at verse 26. And you recall as we opened up the chapter last week, after Jesus gave his teaching on the Mount of Olives called the Olivet Discourse, that he turned to his disciples and he said that in two days it's going to be the Passover and the Son of Man is going to be delivered over to the chief priests and elders and will be crucified. Now we know that's the sixth time that Jesus has told his disciples that he's going to die, and he's going to rise again from the grave. He spoke of his crucifixion, he would speak of his resurrection. And as uh, he is preparing for what's going to happen, they don't fully understand the things that are taking place. So, Father, we do pray for understanding this morning. I pray that we would remember to turn our ringers off our phones. We want to be attentive in these next few moments that we have together. And even though we are going through a portion of Scripture that is very familiar to a lot of us, I pray that it touches our hearts and impacts our heart more than ever before. So we give you this time in the study of your word, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So as Jesus, after he would give that teaching in all of it discourse, he would go to the town of Bethany, the town of Mary, where we saw in this chapter that Mary would take that very costly fragrant oil and anoint Jesus for his burial. And you remember in that, that as we discussed, John's gospel tells us that Judas would begin to protest. Why did you do that, Mary? Why this waste? That could have been sold for 300 denarii, almost a year's wage, and given to the poor. Now, Judas, we know that John tells us that he kept the money bag. So as we talk about Judas, as, as you know, he's the one that portrays Jesus here. In verse 15, he would go to the religious leaders. They have been plotting and planning as we put all the pieces of the puzzle together. What's going on at this time? They're plotting, they're planning. How can we put Jesus to death? And they said, not during the feast. That's what Matthew tells us. But it has been determined before the foundation of the world that Jesus would die on Passover because he is the Passover lamb of God that is going to die on Passover for the sins of the world. So Jesus is the one that's in control, not the religious leaders, not Judas Iscariot. And as Judas came to them, he came for the very purpose of betraying Jesus. He said, what will you guys give me? Now, we know that Judas kept the money bag. Uh, he's the one that kept the money. He was resourceful. He was one they trusted. Don't think of Judas as one that had a, this terrible attitude, and the disciples are going, as Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me. They don't know who it is. He was one, Judas, that I'm sure that he may have been probably one of the least expected that would betray Jesus. And he's got it together. He's very smart. Uh, we're going to give him the money. You give the money to the one you trust, don't you? But he was stealing the money. He wants 30 pieces of silver to betray Jesus. So all this has taken place as they would celebrate Passover. And as they did, it's interesting that Luke's gospel tells us that they are fighting the disciples, disputing is what Luke tells us, who's the greatest in the kingdom. You see, this is graduation night. 
This is the last hours that Jesus is spending with his disciples before he goes to the cross. And they're confused. They don't understand what's going on. Um, even though he's spoken about his crucifixion and his resurrection, they're still arguing who's going to be the greatest. He's going to usher in the kingdom right away. And Jesus, he would gird himself with the towel. He would wash the feet of the disciples. And he said, this is how you become great. I've, I've done this in an example to you. That if you want to be great in the kingdom, it's serving people. It's washing feet. It's that place of humility and that place of putting yourself as a servant. Of course, he has already said that if you want to be great in the kingdom, you become the servant of all. And so all these things are taking place. If you want a full, really, account uh, as you put the Gospels together uh, of what's happening in the upper room here, John's Gospel, chapters 13 through 17, is called the Upper Room Discourse. And John devotes a quarter of his gospel to what takes place this night as they'll be leaving the upper room, making their way across the city of Jerusalem, across the Kidron Valley, and into the Garden of Gethsemane where we know that Jesus is going to be arrested. So these things are, are taking place. And, and as they are celebrating Passover, verse 26 of Matthew 26, we read, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread. They blessed and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Jesus given his disciples a, a, a totally new understanding of the Passover ceremony. As he breaks the bread, he said, this is my body broken for you. As he takes the cup, this is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for the remission of sin. He would say in the other gospels, you do this in remembrance of me. And of course, here at Calvary Chapel, we observe uh, communion. We come to the Lord's table on the first Sunday of the month uh, is what we customarily do. Do this in remembrance of me. It's no longer the land, lamb in Egypt that was slain uh, as the blood was placed in the basin and sprinkled upon the lintels of the doorpost uh, of the house. But now you are to remember me. His body broken for you, his blood that was shed for our sins. Jesus said that now we are establishing a new covenant. A new approach to God, which is through his son, Jesus Christ. Listen, it is the only approach to the Father is through his son. Because in that upper room, Jesus would declare that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, on Tuesday nights, the ladies, that some of you that are here, you just finished the book of Hebrews. And in that study, or if you've read it yourself, we've gone through the book of Hebrews. Uh, the author of Hebrews goes through great lengths to declare that a better way has been provided. The covenant that God had established through the old covenant, through the Levitical priesthood, was not complete. The sacrifice of animals was not enough. That's why they had to do the sacrifices over and over and over again. It only covered sin, kofar, until Jesus Christ came and died for our sins once and for all. So that is a term, you, you read those words in the book of Hebrews, he died once and for all, once and for all. His sacrifice was superior. He came from a superior 
priesthood. And, and that's the whole theme of the book of Hebrews is Jesus is superior. The Passover lamb of God given his life for us that we might approach God, have relationship with the Father, have intimacy and fellowship and boldness to enter into the Holy of Holies. So in chapter 10, as is, is the author of Hebrews begins to kind of sum everything up what Jesus has done for us, his, his sacrifice bringing the, the remission of sin, the forgiveness of sin. He died once and for all for our sins, that now we can come in confidence, chapter 10 says, into the Holy of Holies because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now keep in mind that the, the Hebrew reader that, that came out of Judaism, they, they would read that and they would think that's such an amazing statement. Because one of the things that is told to us in the book of Hebrews is that the old covenant could not bring the people into the presence of the Lord. Only the high priest was allowed to go behind the curtain into the Holy of Holies where the tangible presence of God was. Only the high priest was to do that. The people could not do that. The priest could not even do that. Only the high priest once a year for a short time after elaborate washings and cleansings. And can you imagine, you know, Aaron, the high priest, reading that in, in Hebrews chapter 10? Can you imagine the, the, those who have that background of Judaism thinking, wow, that we can enter into the Holy of Holies with confidence? It's not our own confidence, but because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And as we think about it, we can do that anytime that we want, not on just a specific day. We can stay as long as we want. We can do it as many times as we want. And I hope that we understand what a marvelous privilege and opportunity that you and I have in having relationship with the Father to be able to come into his presence because of what Jesus Christ has done for us in going to the cross. So he institutes this, this new covenant, my body broken, to be able for us, you and I, to come to have relationship with the Father to come in boldness and enter into the Holy of Holies because what Jesus has done. Remember, we will see later on in Matthew that Jesus cried out from the cross, it is finished. And Matthew tells us something unique, that the veil in the temple at that time rent in half and came crashing down. And for the very first time, those priests that were in the temple could see into the Holy of Holies. And it was like the Lord was saying, open house. Come into my presence. Spend some time with me. My prayer for you this Christmas season is my prayer for me and my family is that you would do that. Because we can become so busy and we got things that we need to do that we would come into the Holy of Holies and spend time with the Lord and just marvel at His grace and His love and His goodness and what He's provided for us through Jesus Christ. So in verse 30, And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So they're making their way again across the city to the Garden of Gethsemane, which is on the, the base of the Mount of Olives. And as they would go out, they, Psalm 113 through 118, called the Halal, traditionally sung at the Passover feast. Halal is the Hebrew word for praise to God. And Psalm 113 and 114 would be sung before the meal, Psalm 115 to 118, sung after the meal. But think about this. As they're making their way across the city, as they sing these hymns, these psalms for Passover, I think it would have been really neat to hear Jesus sing, to hear his voice. 
And as we continue on the way, Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. And Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. And Jesus said to him, Surely I say to you, that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. The good shepherd is about ready to be struck. Jesus quotes from Zechariah chapter 13, verse 7. The shepherd is going to be struck. The sheep of the flock are going to be scattered. And he says afterwards, though, after I've been raised, speaking of his resurrection, I will go before you in Galilee. And Peter, you know Peter, he's always piping up, always saying something. And Peter, he's correcting the Lord here. He says, you know what? These other guys may all bolt. You know, they may be afraid. They have yellow down their back. But not me, Lord. I will defend you. I will not deny you. I'm not going to take off on you, Lord. I will even die for you. And I do think that Peter was sincere, that he loved the Lord, that, that he is very devoted to the Lord, but most of us know that he's going to fail, just as the Lord said he's going to. Peter, you're going to deny me not once, but you're going to deny me three times. And at the end of the chapter, we will see that denial. We will see and look at some insights of why he did fail. But right now he says, I won't deny you. These other guys will. They'll all run away, but not me. I'm going to be standing right next to you, Lord. And you remember, you changed my name to Petra, to, to Peter, to Little Stone. I'm Rocky. I'm solid, man. I am with you. But yet he's going to fail. And the Lord knows that he's going to fail, tells him he's going to fail. But yet, as I read this, it, I see the, the compassion of our Lord the grace of our Lord, the love of our Lord that remains. Matter of fact, in John's gospel, it says right after Jesus would say, you're going to fail, Peter. You're going to deny me three times. Jesus, knowing that their hearts are troubled, one of you is going to betray me. Who is it, Lord? You're all going to be made to run away and scatter. I'm going to go away. You can't come with me at this time. And Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And they are troubled. And they're trying to sort this all out. And then Jesus, after he says, Peter, you'll deny me three times, he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, and I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there you may be also. As we see just the patience of our Lord that you're going to flee, but I'll go before you in Galilee. The Lord didn't say to them, you know, I'm through with you guys. You don't understand what's going on. You're arguing who's going to be the greatest, and you are now the B apostles, not the A apostles, but you're the B apostles. I'm done with you. I'm going to use another group to spread the gospel. No, he just continues to bring comfort to them, words of encouragement to them, and I know that as I consider this, that the Lord doesn't give up on me either. Because there are times where I become afraid. There are times where I'm troubled. There are times where I fail. 
And he continually just draws me to himself to where I can find strength and forgiveness and again experience his grace. But I want to give another application. And I think this is worth considering. That Peter is saying, I won't fail. I'm going to be faithful. I'm brave. I'm going to stand right next to you. I'll even die for you. Is there some area of your life where you are saying, Lord, I got this under control. I am strong. I got it together. I won't fail in this area. I won't stumble. Comes to your marriage. Comes to raising the kids. When it comes to work, when it comes to maybe running a business, whatever it might be. And you may have it together. Right now, things are looking good. But what can happen is over time, as we're going to read here, is you stop praying about those things. You stop praying for your marriage, for your spouse, for your kids, for your business. Because I got it under control. Just be careful that you're not trying to do things out of your own strength and your own energy because you have confidence in you. I got this under control, Lord. But to give everything to him every day. And he will give you the strength and the direction and the provision and blessing in your life. More than you can do in your own efforts and flesh. Here is Peter. He's going to fail because he's trying to muster up the courage and the strength to be faithful to the Lord. And he's going to fail. And there are times in our lives, if we are not giving those things to the Lord, that know this, that we can end up failing. Because we're trying to do it out of our own energy rather than giving it to the Lord and allowing Him to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. So here is Peter. He makes his allegiance. But as they make their way across the city, Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that be James and John, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. The word Gethsemane means olive press. It's located, as I already said, at the base of the Mount of Olives. It really isn't a garden in terms of what we think of a garden. We think of a garden, we think of what? A flower garden or we think of a vegetable garden. This is an olive orchard. And in the olive orchard, and the Garden of Gethsemane is still there today. You can go there. There's a big gate around it and a big church that sits there. Uh, but some of those olive trees, they will tell you, are nearly 2,000 years old. Really old olive uh, trees that are there. In this garden, there would be an olive press there uh, used to, uh, you know, as a press to extract the oil out of the olives that were there. And Jesus now is in that olive orchard. He would be pressed in his soul because he knows what is before him. He said to them, verse 38, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. This is a very intense time for Jesus. He is deeply distressed. He's exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. He knows that his hour is at hand. As he is praying, the other Gospels tell us that he is sweating great drops of blood. That is a medical condition that can actually happen if you're under extreme stress and anxiety and, and really feeling the pressure that you can actually sweat drops of blood. 
He knows what's going to be happening to him in the next few hours. So he is praying here. And a good model for you and for me is when we are distressed or we are sorrowful, when we are feeling the pressures of life in whatever area, is to go to the Father and to pray to the Father, just as Jesus is doing here, and receive comfort from the Father. This reminds me, as, as these words are used, sorrowful and distressed, Paul, as he's writing to the Christians in 2 Corinthians, it's after his third missionary journey. And his third missionary journey, he made his base of operation in Ephesus. He's there in Ephesus longer than any other city on his missionary journeys. And the city came to Christ, but then the silversmiths start this riot, and they riot against Paul. The whole city is in a riot to where Paul has to leave. He has to leave Ephesus, and he's writing to the Corinthians. And he says to them that, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, you know, of our trouble that, which came to us in Asia that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we were despaired even of life. We were pressured. We were burdened beyond measure. But Paul writes about the comfort of God. And he says that, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercy, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. In other words, he says that God is full of mercy. He is the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation. And that's a very strong word in the Greek. It means comfort to give health, to give strength, to bring that comfort. Sometimes we think of comfort in terms of, I want to speak some words that we can comfort somebody. Or, you know, one of our kids falls down, skins their knee, we put a Band-Aid on, and we kiss them on the forehead, and we send them off, and they're comforted. It's much stronger. The Holy Spirit is called what? The Comforter. He is our helper. The Holy Spirit is there to bring comfort and strength to us as we go to the Father, because He's merciful to us. And I have discovered in my life that when I'm feeling distressed or full of sorrow or disappointment or I feel really the pressure, that I'm very thankful that there are those who can bring words of encouragement and comfort and words that will build me up. But I'll tell you where I find my strength is when I stop and I go and spend time with the Lord. That He brings that comfort that I need, that strength to continue on just the help that I need. And every time that I've done that, he has shown up, and he will with you. Don't withdraw from the Lord. You keep going to the Lord, because he is the God of mercy who comforts us in all of our tribulation, not some of our tribulations, but all of our tribulation. And then you're able to comfort others with the comfort in which you have received. Some of you, you need comfort today. We've had a number of people that have gone through loss. We've lost a, a brother here that for years have sat. I can picture him sitting in this service. John Delgado went home to be with the Lord. We've experienced a number of deaths here in the fellowship. We have families that are hurting. And we as a church, you know, we have sorrow in our hearts. Even though we rejoice they've gone home to be with the Lord, some of you have experienced other difficulties and loss and we want God's comfort. Go to him. And yes, we're going to be here to comfort one another, to encourage one another and build each other up. 
but that comfort that you need, that I need, the strength, the help, the, the, the comfort, that supernatural comfort comes from the Lord as we go to him. Continue to look to him. So here is Jesus. He went a little further. We, we continue reading in verse 39. And he fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. The great prayer of faith for any of us to make is when we say, Lord, here is my desire, here are my wants, here's my petition, here's my supplication, here is my will, but not my will, but your will be done. And listen, the word of God invites us to to come to the Father because we have the spirit of adoption. We can cry out, Abba, Father. Any of us that are parents, we have children that come to us And they have desires, they have wants, they come and they ask. My children, even today, even though as they are adults, can come to me and they can ask. So we have the spirit of adoption. We can go to the Father. The Bible says we're invited to ask, to give our prayers and supplication with thanksgiving. But here's the prayer of faith. is that we would say, Lord, as I give you my desires, as as I give you these prayers... Here's my petition. As I'm praying for this individual, maybe for healing, Lord, whatever your will is, whatever your will is. It's not one of commanding and demanding. Sometimes people say, well, if God's just going to do his will, why should I pray? pray? Because he wants us to pray. There's power in prayer. He says, ask, please ask. But even as... The disciples came, remember, and said, teach us to pray. Your kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That it always comes down to, Lord, here are my desires. Here's my wants. Here's what I'm asking for, but not my will, but your will be done. And I'm going to trust in you in everything. As Romans declares that, that you desire to give me all good things, and if you don't want me to have this thing or go in that direction, then I know it is not good for me, at least at this time. If you don't work in this way, then I know that I can trust in you and rest in your love, Lord, because you are working in eternity's values and views. You are working, Lord, to where one day, as the book of Revelation tells us, That we're all going to stand together and we're going to say, righteous and true are your decisions, Lord. Righteous and true are your judgments, O Lord. Right on, perfect. And I can trust you for that. Another point that I want to, to make here, and it's important for you and I to realize, that Jesus praying here in the garden saying, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass for me what cup the cup of suffering the baptism of death he's going to be immersed in suffering and take on death for you and for me and what is jesus saying in that if it is possible let this cup pass for me in other words what he is saying is something very important he is saying if there is any other way any other way for a person to be saved if the old testament sacrifices could provide that keeping of the law the old covenant being righteous in your own ways and and earning and meriting salvation, believing in another God. If there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. I don't have to go to the cross. But the fact that Jesus submitted to the will of the Father and went willingly to the cross proves and shows us that the only way 
to salvation is through him. His sacrifice on Calvary, his resurrection. And as he's praying that, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping, verse 40 tells us, and said to Peter, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Peter, you claim to be so dedicated to me. Couldn't you pray and watch for one hour? For one hour. But I don't want to be too hard on Peter. Because I know there's been plenty of times in my life that I became lazy, apathetic. Slumber filled my day, and I should have been praying. I wasn't watching, but sleeping spiritually. You guys, he says, you should be praying. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Because you see, prayer is not only our petitioning for what we desire, but it's our protection from what we don't want. Things can happen to me, I know. I can fall into temptations because I haven't been praying. I haven't been watching. I'm not being discerning. I'm not being sober. I'm not being vigilant. Paul would write in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to the end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, devote yourself to prayer, keep an alert, vigilant in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Here, Peter, he's boasting how he's going to stand with the Lord. He's going to resist any attack. But first, I'm going to take a nap. And Jesus, again, in his grace, says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He understands our shortcomings. In verse 42, and again a second time, he went away and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners." We know from the gospel accounts that three times Jesus prayed. Three times he checked to see if his disciples would stand by him in prayer. To see if they would be praying for their own strength in the coming trial. And the third time he said, you guys still sleeping and resting? Mark records, he said, it is enough. It is enough. Sleep and take your rest. And I think that at this point that perhaps... That Jesus, Jesus just sat down and he watched them and he prayed over them. You guys can't watch for me and with me and you're not praying, so I'm just going to watch you and over you and I'm going to pray for you. Isn't the Lord so good? He's so faithful. He didn't go up to him and then kick him in the side and say, get up, you lazy guys, you know. You know what's going on here. He didn't say, you know, this is my chance to sneak off. I'm going to head out in the wilderness and run away and forget you guys, forget you here at Calvary Chapel. He set his face to go to Jerusalem for the joy that was set before him. He went to the cross. He was faithful to go to the cross for you and for me. And there's a gap of time between verses 45 and 46. Verse 46, rise, wake up, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. We don't know how long 
Could have been a few minutes, could have been an hour, we don't know. But he says, stand up, rise up, and listen, this is important, don't tune out on me. Jesus could rise up and stand up because first he had already knelt down. He could find strength at this moment because he had spent time in prayer to the Father. And it's true for you and for me as well, for anyone. You will find strength in times of distress and sorrow and difficulty if you spent time in prayer. You will be able to rise up for that occasion if first you have been on your knees and on your face in prayer to the Father. And I know that most of us, if not all of us, want to be strong in the situations that we face that are hard and challenging and difficult, to be strong in the responsibilities that we have. We're told to be strong in the Lord, to have the strength of the Lord, to stand fast in the Lord, to fight the battle that we face. Fathers, you want to be strong for your family. Parents, you want to be strong. You want to be that strong Christian at work. To the people around you in your life, you want to rise up. You want to lead your family, your kids. You want to lead others to Christ. Then you first kneel down in prayer. And you go to your Lord who will establish you and strengthen you. But I want to make one more application and then we're done. Here these guys were sleeping. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Be praying and watching lest you fall into temptation. This is the time of year as we're into Thanksgiving and we're about ready to close the year. We got Christmas. We're making plans, aren't we? We're making plans for the, the holiday season, for New Year's, and for the coming year. This is when I make a lot of plans. This is when I begin to think, what do I want to do as we enter into 2022? What do I want to not only do for Christmas and schedule things and try to finish things up and all the busyness that comes with it, but what's going to happen in the new year? We're all making plans, aren't we? Or is it just me? It's us, right? We're all making plans as we go into the new year. And here's the thing. There's somebody else that's making plans as well, and that is the enemy. He is plotting and he is planning how he might get a foothold into your life to come against you, to war against you. Here's the thing to remember. He is not going to take 2022 off, okay? He's going to come at us, and he's going to continue to fight against us. We have victory in Christ. So remember to put on the whole armor of God and to know that he's going to try to come against your marriage, your kids, your grandkids. He's going to try to come against your ministry. He's going to come against this church any way that he can. And I believe that Satan is working overtime. We can see it all around us. So I want to remind you and I want to remind me and us as a church, we need to be watching. We need to keep our eyes on the Lord and to be praying because there is a lot of distractions that are out there. I believe that the church has more distractions today than ever before to pull us away from really pressing in and looking to the word of the Lord, looking as we pray to the Lord, and looking to the strength and comfort of the Lord. Let's keep our eyes on him. Yeah, we're, we got things that we need to do. We got planning that's going to take place. But don't go to sleep spiritually. Be wise, be discerning, be praying. Men and women of prayer, men and women of the word, 
You submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. I love that promise. People say, what do I do? The, the, you know, the enemy's attacking. You, you pray. You submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. And he's going to come back, put on the whole armor of God. Don't go throughout day after day without putting on the armor of God because the enemy's going to see you as a target, and he's going to try to lop your head off. You don't have your helmet of salvation. You don't have your breastplate of righteousness. You, know, you don't have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Put on the whole armor of God. Be watching. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because he's plotting. You see Jesus as he's watching. He can see the torches coming. That detachment of troops. He can see them all lined up. All those soldiers that are coming, marching. With their clubs and weapons and torches down the Kidron Valley up to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he says, Arise, my betrayers at hand. He's going to come at us just like he has in 2021 and 2020 and everything before that. So you be watching. You be praying. You be sober. You be vigilant. And Father, that's our prayer. The Lord, that we wouldn't go to sleep spiritually, but we'd be looking to you because we need you to be able to rise up because we've been looking to your word, praying, pressing in. Lord, I thank you so much. This is recorded for us so that we can learn. This Thanksgiving, I know that there are those who have gone through loss and difficulties and distress challenges and whatever brings that Lord that we can go to you for comfort because you comfort us in all of our tribulation and Lord we would look to you to be our strength and we can trust you and rest in your love whatever we ask whatever we petition we pray for your protection help us to be wise and watching that we can be thankful because we have you and you are faithful and you are so gracious and Lord you are, are so good to us even in our weakness in our failings you're forgiving and you're not through with us and we, we can be confident of this very thing that he has begun a good work will bring it to completion and I want to pray if there's anyone watching or listening on the radio or you're here in this place right now that you've never made a commitment to Christ. He is your salvation. It is not by trying to be a good person or trying to earn salvation in your own works. You, you, you will never be good enough. Jesus went to that cross, took on the cup of suffering and death because he did the work on Calvary's cross. And that's why he cried out, it is finished. And today is the day of salvation, so he invites you to come, to call out to him, to be forgiven, to have right relationship with the Father and the promise of eternal life. He says, you repent, turn, quit going in the direction you're going, confess you're a sinner, and ask Jesus to now be the Lord of your life. He's the Savior of your life. You call out to him. And you pray, Jesus, I come to you humbly. And I come to you in faith. 
believing that you died for my sins. I am a sinner. Forgive me. And I believe you rose again from the dead and you're alive. Sit upon the throne of my life as my personal Lord and Savior. And I thank you for this new beginning and for eternal life, for a living hope. And I do want to know you and walk with you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. For all of us, as we go out of this place, I pray for blessing this Thanksgiving, that we would have a heart of gratitude and thankfulness. Keep those who are traveling safe. Bless our time with family and friends, Lord. And Lord, we come to you for everything. In Jesus' name, amen.